create an experience around somebody's interests, their hobbies, their passions, or why they've come to London. I just think the creativity and the, the fun you can have around honing a very personal experience around a stay is more and more key nowadays. Uh, I think this sort of textbook greeting is no longer what people certainly at the more luxury end of hospitality are looking for. So I encourage my team to look for the signals. You know, if somebody's just arrived and they said, I've had a lousy day, and see if you can get that glass of champagne up to their room before they do. So it's waiting for them as they walk in the room. It's just elements of spontaneity. I think that's such a key word and it's very, very prominent in what we do here. Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind that both employees and customers love and support. Thank you to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our show partner. BizSimply is the all-in-one HR workforce management role and operation software designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift one like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry to find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together, we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. And in this episode, I'm super excited to be talking with Andrew Coney, who is the general manager of the Harry London, which is a five-star luxury hotel in Belgravia. And in the conversation, we start... We're talking about how you build a great hotel that not only makes a profit, but also serves its people, the community it's part of, and impacts the planet positively. Andrew explains how they have navigated the pandemic and how it's been essential to them and putting their people first. Andrew talks about now they are focusing on making sure that they retain their people, and to do that, their key fear focuses on well-being and strengthen their culture through better work-life balance and mental health support. We dive into also the importance of giving you people a clear vision and some values and principles to operate after so they can create these amazing customer experiences that is both unique and personal. Andrew talks about the importance of creating a workplace that actually gives people permission to operate. He says that people want to be involved and make decisions. He also talks about the importance of taking care of your people as they return because they are a bit shaky after this winter's lockdown. And he shares what they have done to engage them through the lockdown, but also how they are focusing on now reconnecting them as a team as they come into the hotel. We also discussed the problems around the talent shortages and especially around the challenges about there's not enough workforce in the UK to fill the positions due to Brexit, boosted by the pandemic. But he highlights that we really now have to take this seriously we have to work on the reputation as an industry and we need to get out there and change the position of how to work in hospitality is not only bad. There's lots of benefits to it. And also he said, there's a really importance of reaching out to groups of people that maybe not before would have considered a career in hospitality. Along the way, we dive into personalization of the employee experience and guest experience, the power of working with charities, mental health, kindness and patience with people, making tough career decisions, the future of hospitality and much more. But before you tune in, please sign up for our weekly newsletter on hospitalitymavericks.com packed with more Maverick insights, strategies and tools. Now, grab a notebook, pen, coffee and let's get started. 
we're going to be talking with uh, an operator that's open and actually has probably been open most of the pandemic, but now is starting to see London coming back to life. And I'm really interested in that conversation on a different level. First of all, thinking about how does business and hospitality and especially hotels come back into London and how, because a lot of people have talked about maybe, you know, some people said the death of London, which I don't believe, but there's been some quite extreme version of that. And then we're going to talk a bit about talent as well, uh, because the, the, in the last couple of weeks, there's been circulating around a talent crisis potentially in hospitality for that. But I have a great guest for you today, a very experienced hotelier. Andrew Coney from the Harry in, in London, and uh, welcome to the show, Andrew. Thank you. Good to be here. Andrew, for people that doesn't know the, what the Harry is and uh, maybe a bit about your background as well, uh, maybe it'd be good that you just give them like the elevator pitch about you and the Harry. Well, the Harry is uh, situated in uh, the Belgravia district in London, probably one of the more uh, exclusive parts of town, uh, surrounded by embassies and uh, a lot of uh, the big retail like Harrods and Harvey Nichols. So it's a popular destination within town. Um, we've got 85 rooms. Uh, we're owned by a company based in Hong Kong and we've just in fact opened uh, Harry in Hong Kong, uh, which, is a, which is a larger property than us, it's 210 rooms. Uh, but we opened that in December, which was obviously a tough time to open in Hong Kong, but uh, we've, we've, we've been bold and pressed ahead with it. So uh, that's exciting for us. Uh, through all the gloom of the past year. And you mentioned that we've been open. Uh, in fact, we've been pretty solidly shut up until last uh, Monday. We, we opened for three months in the summer last year. We opened for that brief 11-day stint in December last year. Uh, and now we've just opened up again. So uh, we've been through this stop, start, stop, start. Uh, me, uh, I've been around for a long time. As you can tell, the hair is a very significant indicator of that. Um, I've worked predominantly in London, but uh, have had roles overseas and uh, across a number of different brands and styles. I, uh, I've, I've operated a thousand bedroom hotel and I'm now operating an 85 bedroom hotel. So I've gone through some big contrasts, uh, three star, four star and five star. Uh, but I think I'm very much at home here. I'm loving uh, being at the Harry. It's a, it's a great family atmosphere, not only with the ownership, but with also the team here. And uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like it's uh, it's very me how would you describe the harry what kind of hotel experience is this you just said is a smaller hotel it's not a thousand bedroom hotel a transaction hotel as i call them but it feels like a bit more like you're creating experience at the the harry probably a, a misused term in a lot of hotels that it's about it is a very much a, a home experience it's very hospitable uh, and we try to ingrain in everybody that works here that you are giving every single person who comes here an individual experience. And because we're relatively small, we're able to pull that off. Um, and another misused word is empowerment. And I think it's a very key part of the, the, the story here that we really think every single member of the team should be empowered to create an experience around a guest. So if somebody is coming, we do what we call positive stalking. And we do a little bit of research on a guest and find out from their social media or from their company website or just whatever's out there there's loads of information and if you can create an experience around somebody's interests their hobbies their passions or why they've come to london you know we've created amphitheaters or theaters out of chocolate uh, with the two seats they're sat in for their for their visit to the theater that night in a different color chocolate i just think the creativity and the the fun you can have around honing a very personal experience around a stay is 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 more and more key 
nowadays. Uh, I think this sort of textbook greeting is is no longer uh, what people certainly at the, the, at the more luxury end of, uh, of hospitality are looking for. Uh, so I encourage my team to look for the signals, look for, you know, if somebody's just arrived and they said, I've had a lousy day, then see if you can get that glass of champagne up to their room before they do. So it's waiting for them as they walk in the room. It's just elements of uh, spontaneity. I think that's such a key word and it's very, very prominent in what we do here. So, you know, we're a boutique hotel. There's no doubt about that. But I hope one that's taking the guest experience to another level, that it's, it's way more personalized than, uh, than perhaps the norm, nor is it intrusive. And when I talked about positive stalking, I know of an experience of somebody recently where they stayed in a hotel and there was a picture of their wife by the bed. And I just think that's creepy. Uh, that's, that's just taking it to an extreme. So we, um, we do have kind of some parameters around it, but uh, no rules. Do what is right by the guest. That's very super interesting because that's giving that permission to operate to people and giving them some some clear guidelines where they they can work in within. How, how does the staff feel feel about that? Because I guess that's very different from the average norm of any any workplace, not only in hospitality, but normally you have your the rule set, the procedures, and operating manuals that you're following to create that experience. Well, you could have spent many hundreds of pounds staying the night here, and in the morning you come down and I'm making this up as an example because it definitely wouldn't happen here but you kept you came down in the morning and you said that my shower was cold and my tv didn't work and you're confronting a, a member of staff who's probably just into their 20s and I'm empowering that person to turn around to you and say well I'm really really sorry about that I'm not going to charge you for last night um I I want you to come back again and uh, there she's made that or he's made that decision straight away and not gone to a supervisor to get an answer, not gone to, uh, you know, the, the extent of asking you to email in your complaint. I think we live in a world now with social media in particular, that people can tell their story about this day very, very quickly. And uh, it's, you know, it can reach hundreds and thousands of people before they've even left the building. So it, it's important to have that, uh, not just for that reason, but I think also so that people feel They've been dealt with and they've had a response. It's not something that's lingering or, you know, you don't really care that much. You'd rather make it more complicated. What do you put in place to to make that happen? Because that's almost like a cultural thing. That's in the way how we do things here. Well, you, you, you imagine uh, we've got a tough director of finance here. And when I first started at the hotel and started spouting these ideas, you can imagine you know, that, that's not, that doesn't sit very comfortably. Um, and I think that... Uh, and to her credit, she totally buys into it. Culturally, you have to set the example. You have to show people that you can do it. So, you know, a guest checks in and you you hear that they particularly like reading a particular author. I'll go out and buy that next book by that author and bring it in and put it in their room with a little note from me. So you set the example. You don't discourage, you know, if somebody gives away the penthouse for a night because there was a light bulb out. Okay, that was probably extreme, but you then you guide and you you you, you coax into a into a better solution um it's, it's it's not something you can apply with a stick and it's not something you can apply with a manual and that's 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 really my my view on life that you know this hotel is not about manuals and and ways to do things it, it's all about spontaneity um but culturally people do struggle with it to begin with because they're scared that they're going to make the wrong call but you, you create that comfort zone around them you really really pat them on the back when they do something amazing um and 
it then becomes almost competitive that everybody wants to do something just as just as good as the last person's idea. Have you been inspired from somewhere through your journey as a leader uh, working that way? Because it's a very different way than command and control. It's a, it's that permission to operate. Where did you get your inspiration from? Because that's quite interesting. I don't think I've ever been particularly conventional about style anyway. I don't think... I, I, I'd probably take that back to even when I was at school. You know, I wasn't particularly, you know, a follower of lots of rules. Um, and therefore, my first ever experience in hospitality was to work for a lady who ran a hotel down in Cornwall, I think it was only about 15 bedrooms. And I worked there for some summer holidays. And she was so unconventional and so mischievous, I would say, that it just taught me that hospitality doesn't have to be stiff, even if you're operating at the very top level and uh, commanding you know, some of the, the, the higher rates, you can still have a degree of mischief about you that people actually rather like. Um, and it puts a smile on their face and they think, well, you know what, this is, this is slightly different and not outrageously so, but this is, this is different. So I guess it's always, you know, I've been through a number of hotel brands um, and I've experienced the manual. I've experienced that, that, that mentality. And, you know, in big, big organizations, that's, that's the way it has to be or else you get no consistency. But in a small, single operation like this, you can, you can manage it, you can steer it, you can guide it. Uh, because you're very close to it. Super interesting. So it actually comes from 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 early of your experience as yourself, both an employee, but also seeing the guest actually enjoys that. And I think you're right. Creating those special moments is going to be more critical than than any at any time in our lifetime because we we've been you know you know hungering to get out to get experiences again, and we're almost going to get disappointed if it's not going to be something great. You know, we're going to experience when we come out. What what about the? Because I I looked into you guys and you're doing some some amazing work where around charity as well, and I can see you you're putting a lot of effort into that. Can you tell a bit more about that and what kind of impact that is making on? The, the people you're working with, but also the, 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 for your organization? Yes, I, I've always felt that any business, regardless of what corporately they may be required to do, you know, you do it because you think it's the right thing to do. And it's also, it probably sounds like a negative term, but it's a, it's a great distraction. It takes us away from our day-to-day routine um, and gives us something to focus on that's, that, that has a great positive energy around it. Um, so we've supported a number of charities in, in, in my time here, um, and we try to vary them and, and, and not stick with just one thing in particular. So over the years, we've also moved on to other charities. And I guess it, it, it comes across in two different ways. One is we're all quite emotive about children's charities, for example. So when we ask the team here, what charities do you want to support? That's always one of the very top ones on the list. So we've, we've worked very closely with a hospital here in London. We've also worked with a um, a place just outside of London, which deals with children with um, either born with brain injuries or have suffered brain injuries through accident. Um, And I tell you what, you go there and you spend some time there with the kids and it just takes your breath away because it's exhausting. Um, But it's, it's so rewarding. And, you know, you take a group of the team here who've never, ever been involved in anything like that before in their time. Um, and it just opens their eyes. And I think it's, it's a great way of sort of developing people and stimulating people and taking them to another level. 
And then I've, I also work very closely with a charity called Born Free. So the, we at the hotel support them quite a bit uh, with events and uh, with some fundraising. I was lucky they invited me to go on one of their projects once, which was to, uh, to Cameroon, to uh, a guerrilla orphanage. So, you know, one day you're managing a hotel and you're, uh, you know, you're wondering where all the teaspoons have gone and, uh, you know, are we going to make occupancy tonight? And uh, why does he not want to work with her today? And then all of a sudden the next day you're at Heathrow Airport flying out to a gorilla orphanage, which was really something else. So I, I actually put that out to everybody that you know, sometimes charity work can seem a little onerous uh, and just like a tick box thing. But you know what? It can actually deliver an experience like that that I got. Um, so there's nothing stopping anybody from uh, from enjoying benefiting from that. And I even had a, a member of my team who then went to um, uh, a number of team members have done the Kilimanjaro uh, climb, and uh, one went to Sri Lanka to uh, an elephant orphanage. So uh, yeah, it's it, it's there's it, a little bit of give and take sometimes in charity work, and you know it, they they can do things for you just as much as you can do for them. It's almost like a karmatic you on leadership. It's like, a, you know, when you give something without expecting anything back, you often get it in tenfold without knowing it. So give give more than you take actually out of, you know, the world, your communities and, and your people. Completely agree. Completely agree. Today, we've just uh, launched uh, a, a, an initiative that we're doing with some young artists. Art's very big to the Harry. We change all our artwork in our public areas every three to four months. Um, and during lockdown, we felt really uh, concerned for a lot of the graduates in London art schools because they weren't getting the opportunity to showcase at their graduation ceremonies. So we put a lot of their artwork up around the hotel. Um, and interestingly, quite a few pieces have been sold, even while we've been locked down. Um, and then today, we've just taken in two young artists as artists in residence. And they're going to be here over the next few weeks uh, just having a space to do some art uh, and get them out of their house and just take them somewhere else where they can get some fresh stimulation. So, uh, yeah, we're really excited about that. And we will do then a showcase for them of the work they've done here. It seems like small things in the grand scheme of things, but these are amazing opportunities for, for young people. And I could imagine an artist that has not been able to go out and show their arts really must be under pressure that that's a really great yes yeah. so there's a lot a lot of work going on there's not like a tree there's a tree lines under it's not like clear results but actually definitely influence your your culture and, and the business as whole. Well. what about uh getting ready for opening or what we call this period we're in and now and some people as you said yeah they've been on off on off all year uh I, I, do you think first of all do you think we are back now and now we open or should we actually think you know in business there could be another time where they switch off the light the government and say well we need to go back inside if i thought that i would think i was extremely pessimistic i, I, I i'm an optimistic person my, my glass is always as i say it's not always not even half full it's it's brimming over and uh i think that the The, the stop start that we have been through in the last year has been horrendous. It's been very tough on people in hospitality because they are, I put it, that they're almost performers. You know, they're out there doing what they do and that's what they get their energy from, the feedback they get from the, the guest, the feedback they get from the customer. And it's it's very stifling, locking them up for, for long periods of time and then just suddenly expecting them to come back 
the next you know one day and just suddenly do it all over again and be very good at it i think in the summer it was a lot easier because a lot of people were quite refreshed by the sunshine and had some time to energize uh, the winter one has been extremely tough and you know i've seen people come back who you know it's just taken a little bit longer to warm up and uh get themselves back into it it's uh i think that the, the winter lockdown was pretty brutal frankly early darkness uh cold weather people not being able to go out it's played its toll on a, on, on a lot of people how are you prepared uh, you're talking about taking your, your people coming back how are you prepared for that what have you put in place to because a lot of people are talking about that now that when people come back yeah you know, we, we need to open from one day to the other but how do we actually get them them ready to to this we've tried to keep them very engaged throughout anyway so we've done all sorts of virtual activities from uh, meditation and yoga to coffee tastings, cocktail tastings, uh, even to sort of crazy things like escape rooms, which you can do on Zoom as well. So it's uh, there's been a real broad raft of activity to, to try and keep people you know, connected and be able to talk to one another. But it's very strange when you bring them all back into the building and they've not seen one another in months, uh, just trying to sort of reconnect everybody is tough it's really tough uh, but i say in the summer it was a lot easier it's always been our notion that you'd get people back a few days beforehand start getting prepared don't just expect them to land on their feet on day one suddenly be confronted by people walking through the door you've got to give them a bit of an opportunity to to, to build up uh, and, and get back into situ the most important thing is to spend some time with everybody um, and that's always been my my attitude that I should go and talk to every single individual almost quite formally and just say how do you feel how do you feel about being back you know maybe they really don't want to get on public transport maybe they just don't want to be amongst people again and we've got to be here to kind of Uh, react to that and help people through that. Uh, it's certainly my sense that even the slightest sort of nuance and change of behavior is something you've got to be more tolerant of. You know, you if somebody's a little bit snippy, a little bit, you know, short-tempered, that's probably as a result of, you know, if they weren't like that three, four months ago, then why are they like that now? Because they're probably finding some anxiety about being back. So it's all something that I'm very clear with all my heads of department here, that let's just be very patient and listen and help as best we possibly can. And, you know, we've got various options in terms of what we can we can do to support people. What is your plan to, uh, because that I, 2021, I almost see like a transition year, especially for, for our industry, that things are opening, coming back up. You say you're optimistic. We will not have them switching out the light again. What What is your plan to navigate that? Because it's a very different, I guess, market situation you're coming back to as you switch everything on again. I guess we're reasonably lucky because of where we're located. I mean, I think of hotels over in the city where you know, so many firms have no intention of returning their people there just yet. And you think of all those hotels bars, restaurants, even sandwich bars that, you know, have got a very, very uh, precarious month, uh, months, maybe the rest of this year ahead of them. I hear, you know, we've benefited already in the in the two weeks we've been open. We've seen sort of a fairly good sort of reaction from people that do want to travel on business. And certainly for the terrace that we've got open, it's outside, uh, it's been packed. What do I think for the future? I'm a little bit nervous about what happens when overseas holidays are suddenly opened up. And does that mean the staycation starts to lose its momentum and that 
yes, I, I get it that the UK resorts are already pretty well full, but if you've got the choice of you know, a, a week in Mallorca or a long weekend in London, what are you going to choose if you've been yearning for some sunshine and some sea? So I, I think that may play as a bit of a challenge to us over the, the summer. So we're going to have to work very, very hard for the staycation business. I just don't see a surge of people coming in from overseas. I think we've just got to be as optimistic as possible and do whatever we can to then start trying to stimulate some of that international business in the sort of probably tail end of quarter three and into quarter four. Did you notice I had my hands together then? It was almost like I was in prayer. Uh, yeah, and I was almost—I was almost doing it myself. I was almost, as you were saying, things. I was almost—it was unintentional, but there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we both are praying. Uh, so, if we go on from that, we are in this opening mode, and uh, things are moving on, uh, and uh, things are looking positive. There's a lot of people that talks about that there's a talent crisis on on its way to 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 hospitality in general across the globe. A lot of people in the UK talk about. Uh, London as a regional challenge. It's going to be very interesting to hear you view this as an operator. And they talk about that's not enough, you know, labor to get to get the job done, both in restaurants and hotels. What what is your view on on the uh, the hospitality and the, the talent crisis? Is there one? I think crisis is a very strong word, uh, and, I, and I really hope we're not heading towards a crisis. But I do think we have a big problem. Uh, fundamentally, uh, we saw a lot of businesses uh, letting people go last year uh, and a huge number of those people returned home to wherever that may have been in, in particularly in Europe and uh, we were all operating on sort of skeleton staffs to get through the, uh, the, the, the short periods of time we were open but we're now facing a summer ahead of us and uh, you can sense in London that food and beverage in particular is really taking off and people are advertising for positions and you only have to look on uh, a lot of sites now and um, there's there's a lot of roles out there so it'll become very competitive um, and there could be some interesting things and some play comes into salaries um, and wages um, and what people start offering just to try to to, to win the fight so to speak but it, it, it's it's particularly un, unnerving when you for example we have an italian restaurant here and uh, our chef wanted to bring a, an ex-colleague of his over from italy And uh, had to ask the question: Does he have settled status? No, uh, and therefore it, it looks like with s some considerable cost, it's also going to take about three months. And uh, you know, how can you how can you do that on an, on a multiple level? And we're just talking about one one individual. So I, I I do think there's some huge challenges ahead of us, and as an industry, uh, we should collectively sort of start to either lobby for some, some for some support around that uh, because it's just going to leave you know scenarios where you can't cover and uh, you know there'll be days where restaurants aren't open because they can only cover certain periods of the week uh, and that would be pretty tragic uh, particularly in hotels where you have to operate anyway you can't come and stay in a hotel and be told that the restaurant's shut on on a particular day Uh, you can't have breakfast, for example. I mean, that's that's just beyond belief. I think we've also got to do a lot of work to uh, try to stimulate more interest in the hospitality sector as an employer. And haven't we been beating on about that since I was probably, you know, first starting in the industry? You know, it's reputation, it's image, it's uh, credibility out there. Um, I think I told you before that um, I went to a grammar school uh, down in Kent And a few years ago, uh, they asked me to go and do the presentation of prizes. 
which I was a bit taken aback, aback by because uh, my career path, um, in fact, my educational path wasn't entirely um, conventional. And uh, so they asked me to go and present the prizes and I presumed they'd had a cancellation because the year before it was the guy who beat the land speed record. Uh, and then this year I'm stood in front of this audience of parents and their children. And uh, you know, you can tell they all wanted them to be lawyers, doctors, bankers, those were the chosen professions and there's this guy standing here telling my my little boy that he should become a a caterer good grief and you know by the time i'd finished it was very interesting that people coming up to me afterwards and saying you know i never ever thought about it you glamorized the the whole uh industry you made it sound a lot more exciting a lot more interesting and broke some of the perceptions of it that is so low paid that we wouldn't even think about it. So, uh, you know, there's work to be done in terms of just getting that message better out there and then engaging. You know, I, I was talking to Kensington and Chelsea Council last week about, you know, how do we get some of those people who've not worked ever, but are in very deprived areas and actually have got the attitude and the aptitude to come and work in a hotel and learn and uh, and do some great things. So I think we've got to start being less sort of traditional about our approach about where we look for people or only assume that if they haven't worked in a five-star hotel, they're not going to come and work in a five-star hotel. Quite interesting you said with the, the uh, that, you know, you can only operate a couple of days because that has been, you know, I've, I've been talking with a, a guy over in Australia and he, ta- he talks about this is the case now. There's some restaurants, they open in three days and actually their signer on fees for people, they're so high that almost you already know you are running your labor costs at a, and a very negative point of view because you maybe pay five hundred pounds to get you just a frontline staff uh, onboarded, and that doesn't mean that you keep them, but you already spent that money up front a thousand pounds. And the same is happening in the U.S., especially in uh, Florida. Apparently, that should be a big, big issue around uh, talent. So yeah, it's very interesting. What, what, what did uh, because you you have a special culture? Have you thought about something extra you're gonna do? to actually try to, you know, to respond to that as an employer and make sure that, you know, maybe also you retain those good ones you have, your 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 key people. Well, so far, so good. You know, the churn hasn't been enormous. Uh, it's, it's pretty isolated that, uh, you know, where people have decided they want to move on. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, I think we do embody a great culture here. And I think people know good things about working here. Um, I think you're always looking and searching for fresh ideas about how to further develop them. We put into situ last year um, online development program so that people can log in from home and uh, explore whatever they want to learn. Uh, as well as the more statutory stuff that we, we asked them to do. And I think that people just want to grow and you know whether you can support them we've done language training here uh in the past um i think you know if somebody's got a particular interest do the most important thing which is give them some time to uh to do pursue what they want to do Uh, and whether it's sporting whether it's family or whether it's educational uh, we have to create that balance. And, I, you know, it's another expression, work-life balance. Haven't you heard people bleat on about that for years and years and years, but who actually really makes it happen? And I know it's pressurised. I know it's very difficult in hospitality because you know, we have to put certain demands on people's time, but give it back as well. Yeah, and I guess also, like, you know, uh, there's a lot in the industry talking about now as people come back, as you said, some people will be uh, need a bit more calibration, but I also think there's probably also as employers need to think about there's some mental health 
challenges because it's been a tough year for anyone no matter your your financial status it's just been a year that really have shaken us all up you know uh, and really challenged us you know you know maybe not known since the war as my dad said um and he was a child in the war so he said like it felt felt like that time we were going through even worse we just couldn't leave our house at any point uh, yeah, sometimes we're a little, um, you know, we, we forget about those times. And, you know, that, that went on for, you know, a good four to five years in, in a lot of instances. So uh, they had it a lot tougher then. And I guess we're a little sanitized to that, that sort of scenario. And I'm particularly concerned about the, the, the really younger ones. Um, I, I, even people who are not even working yet, I'm, I'm really concerned about, you know, how people are just l- losing their youth. Um, and you know how will that affect them in, in in years to come when they do start searching employment and when they do get into employment uh we as a whole world have to start to approach this in a very different way and i was talking about tolerance earlier and patience uh it's something that we probably again need some better guidance on you know people's well-being is a very delicate thing and uh, taking it for granted or, you know, if you'd talked to me about well-being a year ago, I probably would have said, yeah, yeah, I think we're sending somebody on a course to do that. Now I'm passionate about it and I just really, really would like to think that the industry would be passionate about it. But, you know, we're in an industry that 10 years ago, if you'd said something to somebody about well-being, they just said, get on with it, you know, just get back to work, stop whining. And you know, we live in a very different world now. And uh, this, this, this pandemic has, has really, really uh, affirmed to me that uh, we've got to be much kinder people. Uh, and hospitality is kind by nature. And yet people apply for jobs on LinkedIn and we don't reply to them or people uh, send you their CV and we just put it in the bin. It's, you know, that's not kind. And that's where we've got to start to change. There are a lot of people out there. We talk about a jobs crisis, but there are plenty of people out there who haven't got a job. Uh, and they might be in more specialist fields, but you know they're desperate to work. And yet we don't treat them particularly well. You know, it doesn't take too much just to send an email back saying, sorry, on this occasion, you're not successful. But uh, that's, that's, I think, where we've got to all start, you know, taking an inward look and say, are we, are we behaving to our best uh, towards people who, you know, are probably in very much, you know, worse circumstances than us. I really agree, and I think that's outside our work as well. It's like that patience, as you said, actually. Fun, that that word has actually become. I always choose the word for the year, and that's actually my word this year: patient. And it's with everything, you know, because you 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 you, you last year I felt I lost a bit of that, you know, patient because it was like so difficult. So you just get trying to push things through, but you can't because you need to have patience with the flow of the world in a way. So uh, uh, if you look back now, uh, Andrew, after this year, is there anything you wish you'd have known before you started your career? If you had like a, a crystal ball, you could have look into that point? Because you said you didn't take a conventional route to things as well. I've never regretted anything. I, uh, if, I, if I could have known something that was coming, uh, I, w- I would never have not done this, uh, and I'm incredibly happy. I mean, a lot of people have said to me, you know, why didn't you pursue something further, like regional uh, operations director or something like that, or MD of a of a of a, of a group or something like that? It's just not me. Um, uh, so what I came in to do is what 
I hope I'll end doing. This is all getting a bit morbid. Um, but I, I, I'm a very hospitable person. I like being in those sort of circumstances where you're creating fun. Uh, like I said earlier, a little bit of mischief. Um, and being in a sort of ops director role where people are just phoning you day in, day out to tell you that, you know, the boilers have packed up or, you know, they've just, you know, they've run out of water or something like that. Uh, you know, I don't want to hear everybody's problems like that. I'd rather deal with my problems here in the hotel um, and, and just run a ship that uh, I think uh, most importantly is that you're then sending people out who are learning from you and hopefully taking, you know, a, a piece of you, into whatever they do next. So uh, hopefully I'm the spreader of much mischief as years to come. Have you had any like big learnings uh, on the way? Like that, that was like something that really changed the course of me as a, as a leader. I reached a point in London. I had been pretty London centric for a number of years. Um, and I got to a point where I was working in a hotel group that had a lot of outside of London properties. And I thought I don't, particularly want to carry on in London. I think I've done London. Um, and I went to work in a hotel up in Northumberland uh, with that group, uh, which was in like a thousand acres, had two golf courses, very idyllic. And uh, I moved my family up there and I, we all moved up there and it became sort of very much, uh, I'm, I'm only two minutes away from the hotel. And it was such a difference to being in London where I just didn't sense that I was seeing my kids enough or my wife. And that I was spending too much time in London and not enough time at home. So we moved lock, stock and barrel up there. And uh, it didn't take a great deal of time that I started to think it's not really me. Um, I did stay for three years and I really enjoyed it. But my heart always sensed that I was meant to be back in London. And it was a very defining sort of moment because it meant I had to eventually make that decision. And I've left my family up there and I now spend most of my time down here, but go back periodically, you know, weekends, not always, but mostly, uh, and spend time with my, my wife and kids. And it's uh, tough because, you know, you've made a career decision there. That means that on the first place, you went there to spend more time with your family and then you, you reverse the decision to spend very little time with your family so you've got to compensate i hope they're never going to watch this because they'll be hugely embarrassed but um you know you do you do try to compensate when you go home and spend you know, more natural time with them rather than just sort of sitting on the sofa watching tv uh but you know i would say that to anybody if you're making career decisions contemplate what the, the ramifications are further down the line it may sound very exciting and very glamorous but it could turn on its head and value your family time any people has been influential to you on on the journey? Like the like these has been your mentors, uh, inspirations that you'd, you you maybe still use as as, as as to connect with when you have difficult times. At present company, in terms of people I work with now, I have the most phenomenal uh, people I work for in Hong Kong, um, the Haralela family. I mean, they're just amazing. So you know, you 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 need something. They're there for you, but they don't. They don't sort of encroach upon uh, your day-to-day -day routine, which is which is extraordinary and very lucky. You know, we live in a world now where the transition that's happened in the last few years has been that we've moved from. If you work for an organization, predominantly you work for that organization, whereas now more and more the ownership is taking more and more uh, control. So you could be working in a big branded hotel, and yet. You know, you're very accountable to the owner, which you wouldn't necessarily have been a few years back. 
and therefore that's made as general managers that that management of relationships so so more critical and sometimes very difficult um but in terms of of uh influences i've had in the past um you know when you start in the industry i talked about the lady who when i first started while i was still at school um she she was a, a great person for showing you what hospitality meant that you know when you go into the bar go and sit with somebody and, and buy them a drink if there's somebody that you know it, it's it, it's going to be a sensible move to do uh you know they're a regular guest or whatever and you know that, that that's me at like 15 learning that that's really really critical uh and i've carried that ever since but then i i, I work for somebody called patrick dempsey who worked uh, most recently, um, he's he's left now, but he was running uh, Premier Inn. At the time, he was my food and beverage manager in uh, what was the Cumberland Hotel, and I was a very fresh-faced young kind of trainee, and uh, he just induced a sort of energy and spirit that you know, if you want to be successful, you're going to have to outshine all these other trainees. So you know prove that you're the best of the lot of them. And it was extraordinary. And I've always encouraged anybody coming into the industry. And it's one of those telling pieces of advice. Don't just be another person that thinks that, that just by going through the process, I'm going to be successful. Go up to that manager and say, you know what? I think that could be done slightly better. But if you don't mind, I'm not, I'm not insulting what you're doing, but can I just do a little project on it and come back and present a paper to you? And how rarely do you hear that these days where people just take a little bit of initiative and then you think, wow, this person's got something in them that which really making them shine above all of the rest. And that's what I say to all people that are on like apprenticeships or training schemes, or even just, you know, in a very, you know, f first position type of uh, scenario, um, try to excel by just coming up with some fresh ideas. You know, it's, uh, it makes such a difference. How do you uh, actually, Andrew, especially in the year we've gone through, I've, I've asked this question to, to almost every guest we had. How, how do you actually show up strong every day? Because, you know, you, you're the leader of, of the ship, you know, and, uh, and, and the, the, the crew is not waiting for your command because you're already told that you give them permission to operate, but they, they're looking for the energy. And, it's, and, and I don't know, in, in a leadership role, it takes a lot of energy. And you said that yourself as well, because you also have to travel away from your family that's a lot of energy that has to be used how, how do you make sure you have energy every day on a high level how are you in your impact zone if i can phrase it like that i think being a, being the boss of any business uh it's quite lonely and therefore you could get quite uh introspective about life and uh, and lose that energy because who's 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 giving it to you but i think it's just not my style to wander around looking miserable. Uh, it's just it's just not me. And I, I guess I'm very lucky like that. I mean, they do occasionally um, refer to Andrew's BMM, which is Andrew's Bad Mood Monday, which apparently once in a while I may come in and be just a little bit like um, a little testy on a Monday morning. But that's that's, you know, that's fine. Um, but at least they're making a joke of it. And uh, at, the, at the end of the day, uh, I think we're a very collaborative team here. Uh, and when I when I need to assert, I assert. And when I, we can have some fun, I'm right at the forefront. Do you have any any tricks to how you you get that energy? Are you hacking? How do you hack yourself to to get a, a over those bad times? You, you've just got to be realistic with yourself. I mean, if you've ever got to give somebody uh, a dressing down, for example, you've got to taste of somebody, you know, you didn't do well there or you've done a bad job there. Um, it's never personal. 
And I think that that's that's the thing with me that you know two minutes later we're over it. I've told you what I thought. Now let's move on. And I'm very much the same about myself. You know, if I think that I've just been you know a little bit grumpy on a Monday morning, then uh, snap out of it because it's everybody's watching you. And you know, if the word's going around the building that you know he's grumpy today, then it's 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 really unhelpful. So <laughs> you start to realise when there's nobody around, you can't find anybody. And then, uh, then it starts to tell you, yeah, you know what? Maybe, maybe moderate that and cheer up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a very good, a good idea because yeah, we have to, especially in the times we have been through, and you know, uh, it's like that. How do you switch yourself out of that kind of mode? Because it's very destructive, as you say, between the lines. What, what it would be your in the the last question here, Tal, today? What would be you like? You know, your top three advice to to other leaders out there bringing back their hospitality business or any kind of business they're bringing back, what would your top three advice to them right now? I would guess make sure you're surrounding yourself with quality. You know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a dangerous thing to slip into that you, you allow some mediocrity around you, that, uh, particularly if it's not something that's in your uh, core strengths. So if you've got, if, it's great if you've got a balanced team, obviously, uh, but don't, don't allow weakness to bring you down. Um, I think reputation is another key, key thing. Just make sure that um, you're telling some great stories about the place. Uh, get the social media really active uh, because that's that's been a huge help to us. Even things like TripAdvisor, you know, just pay some time and attention on that um, because it's, it does make a difference. And uh, we've certainly noticed it here. And uh, it's... It gives it something everybody to channel their focus on that, you know, we're all excited about this. We've moved up another position. Come on, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Uh, what, what what else can we do? What other ideas have we got? Because it's that way back to the beginning of our conversation about spontaneity, that if we're all just doing the same old things, I mean, if I ever saw somebody take a fruit basket up to a room you know, with a pineapple in it and uh, think that a guest is going to be wowed by that, it's just, no, it's please no so that would really encourage people just to sort of inject some uniqueness into what they do it's um it's it's really key and i guess the third thing would be just let everybody breathe you know don't be on their backs the whole time you know let people do what they've got to do and let them shine uh you know more often than not people who are constrained will just deliver you know, rather robotic service um and sometimes you know let them make mistakes and don't kill them for it it's it, it's really really important uh, that people are themselves you know we're we're a people hospitality business and uh, if we if we really wanted to make it all robotic well then let's do that and let's just have automated check-in and uh conveyor belts to take people here there and everywhere i mean i think the whole prospect of that is pretty grim so yeah no just let people breathe great that's uh, some great uh, advice uh, there andrew especially i like the one let them breathe because we we have to be careful we don't run in and just think we are back as a uh, usual where, where can people find out more about the 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 harry and yourself where is the best place to go well if they just go if they just look up the harry.com on uh and our website uh that's that's the best place there's uh plenty of information about the hotel and there's contact details there. And if they want to message me direct, uh, if they just go on the info uh, contact line, uh, the message will come to me. 
Great, great, great. Thank you so much, Andrew, for coming here on the show and telling your, your stories, insights, and wisdoms. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that learned a, a lot today. So sending you uh, and the team all the, the power and energy you need as you're, you're going through the, the next uh, period of uh, transformation, we can say. Thank you, Michael. Amazing, Andrew. Thanks so much for sharing your wisdom and insight on, on how to build a great employee experience that wows the customers, but also builds a healthy bottom line. If you want to learn more about how you get competitive edge through your employees, I would recommend you to visit episode 87 with Deepak Goro, the CEO of Libor Hotels and Resorts, and he will be talking about emotional touch points. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please share, rate, review, or subscribe to one of our channels. A big thank you to BizSimply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies, and tools to help the industry thrive, not just survive. Check them out at bizsimply.com or on their social at bizsimply or bizsimplyhq. You can also email them directly on advice at bizsimply.com. A big thank you to Fina Charlson, who is the show producer and editor from the Podcast Collective. Tune in next time for another interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us and subscribe to the community and download free leadership tools at hospitalitymavericks.com. And don't worry, if you didn't get all of this, there will be links in the show notes. Thank you and be maverick.